0: Chase Thomas podcast, the Chase Thomas podcast, <laughs> um, my he- nephew needs me to record. See,
1: I hate, I already hate it. I hate it.
0: All right. Hello. Welcome back to a Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas and I am joined by what's left of Mr. Evan Swords of 49ers Hub after a weekend in Scottsdale, Arizona. Evan, how was your weekend? I'm, I'm concerned to ask. Are you okay?
2: I'm physically, mentally, and spiritually <laughs> beaten. I don't know. Uh, you know, I had an incredible weekend. It was great to see friends. Got to celebrate an awesome bachelor party. Clearly have no voice. But, oh boy, going to two 49ers games in two weeks back to back and then losing both, t- both times is not fun, my friend.
0: No. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you bounce back. And it's always one of those things where I see it happening. Uh, you and I being friends and seeing your stuff and the difference in our lives is, is funny to me. But it, it, it just one of those things where I see it and I'm like, oh, Evan tomorrow. I'll check back on Evan tomorrow. I, I'm a little concerned, but we'll, we'll check back on, uh, on tomorrow. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. You can do it. You can do the weekend thing and then be back to normal on the weekdays. I, I can't do that anymore.
2: Yeah, I, I you know I, I do I, I it may make probably sounds like I'm a, a degenerate piece of shit.
0: No, that's not what I, we're I, suggesting no, whatsoever. No no
2: no, 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 no. But what I'm saying is I do take very good care of my body mm-hmm. during the week and mm-hmm. you know when I when I'm not going on these trips. So I think it's probably one of the only reasons that I actually have like the, the energy to do so.
0: Well, there you go. There you go. Did you have fun at least?
2: I had a blast. I really Cry. did. Uh, what was the highlight? Cardinal, Cardinal Stadium was incredible. incredible. absolutely Absolutely. it was a very 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 much so so enjoyed the stadium stadium. we took took a party party bus there there. um we We had had a sweet sweet, free beer beer, free free food food. uh incredible Incredible view view. truly 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 incredible incredible view view. it was uh, a it was was a a great great, great time
0: okay i like it i like it um well, don't forget, folks, you can find Evan on Twitter at Burner underscore Swords. Follow myself at ChaseDumble underscore Thomas. Uh, Go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com today for access to all of our previous episodes. If you have a question for Evan or myself uh, for our Monday NFL show, uh, email us at ChaseThomasPodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is ChaseThomasPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, be a patron at uh, Patreon.com slash writer. And lastly, make sure to subscribe to the newsletter, the daily sports writing newsletter that I do at com. Again, that is com. Evan, we have to start with our favorite segment to kick off our NFL program. Sir, it's our time, our team, the Niners and the Falcons. Um, Let's start with your 49ers where the Cardinals are now the lone unbeaten team and the NFL, your San Francisco 49ers lose their third straight game. Rondale Moore had one of the most disgusting catches I've ever seen uh, in this one. Max Williams uh, got knocked out for the year in this game. Rodney Hudson got knocked out in this game. The center for Arizona. Um, the cards moved to 5-0 and for the first time since 1974, which I believe they were in St. Louis for? I want to say, I don't think they were actually in, I I, I know they weren't in Arizona, but I think they weren't. Yeah, I think it was uh, St. Louis, but either way, the highlight for me, and you can attest to this too, because I went back and watched this thing um, for me was the 49ers went forward on fourth down five times and Arizona got the stop on four of those five stops. And I still can't wrap my head around how Lance did not score on that bootleg shot at the goal line. I I still have no idea how his forward forward progress got stopped and he did not get in. Is that what defined the game for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I obviously have a lot of thoughts. Um, (laughs) So many. Uh, It was really exciting to watch Trey Lance, but he was incredibly Mm. underwhelming. Uh, I don't don't think he's going to have any problem becoming a very good quarterback. I think he's got a lot of talent. I mean... Another week in a row, I'm saying, what the fuck is Kyle Shanahan doing? I just don't understand it. The coach that was breaking records with Matt Ryan in Atlanta is not here. Um, they ran the ball with Trey Lance 16 times. Uh, he has since injured his knee and it might, might might miss the next game, which is two weeks away because of a bye. Um uh, the biggest issue with the 49ers team this year has been that they have been able to get to the end zone or to the red zone, but they've been unable to come back with points. It was something that they heavily criticized Jimmy Garoppolo about. Um, I you know, have a tweet that a lot of people pulled out of the receipts. Uh, where I was, I was like, like, you guys, you know, it's going to be real. And I was I saying say it almost, almost facetiously, but I was like, it's going to be really, really funny, funny to all of these people, people who think that, you know, the, the 49ers offense, offense, which has been, been like rumored heavily, heavily, that basically Kyle thought, thought I he can't, can't do his, do his, his thing, thing with Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy can't throw the ball far enough. There's so, there's so much so that Jimmy can't, can't do. He just can't do his full offense. And I was just like, I just can't wait till Trey starts and you guys realize that this is Kyle's offense. He likes likes short short passes. He doesn't doesn't want to take take deep deep shots. shots. And, And, you know, Trey 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 comes out, and the the offense literally looked identical. identical. The difference was obviously the the running running from Trey. Trey Trey was able to extend his play. Like, I mean, the first play of the game, right, they missed a key block, and it was, you know, they had essentially Chandler Jones free rushing, and Trey stepped up in the pocket, ran off, Think he ran for like 14 or 16 yards. Those, Those things from Trey were definitely, were definitely different. different. But, but outside, outside of that running, the, the offense looked the same, had the same, same problems, problems couldn't, couldn't couldn't score. Eight trips to the red, red zone. zone, they scored one time.
0: It's not good. Do you think not having Kittle was a big part of this too?
2: No, no because I mean, I mean, the only, only thing you maybe could maybe make that point for would be maybe the running game, game. but they yeah. they yeah. haven't used Kittle. He only, you only, only got, got four targets, targets last, last week. week. Mm-hmm. So, no, I think like, Kyle is using Kittle as a, as, a blocker, as a blocker, which is hilarious, hilarious to me because our run, game's run game is not, not even, even doing well. well. I, have no I have no idea what, what Kyle's, Kyle's doing. I am a
0: Trey fan. Lance was your lead runner. Did you see that coming? Like him getting the majority of the carries? Like Trey Sermon got like what, one? Elijah Trey, Mitchell wasn't Trey involved? Trey
2: Sermon got one carry. Yeah, one carry, which is insane to me but I knew knew Kyle Kyle is already, it's been been very obvious. Kyle Kyle likes Elijah Elijah Mitchell Mitchell the most. most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, But no, all of that just just straight up, like no design, no like scheme, just just literally literally, we're going to run him up up the fucking gut. gut. Could (laughs) not have in my life life about that. Hmm. Um, But I'm a fan, fan, and I'm I'm most of the time a a dumb fan. fan. I'm not going to lie and pretend like I fucking spend time, you know, reading about Scheme or learning about X's and O's. No, I'm just a guy that likes to watch football, and I love my team. So I will say when I complain, you know, who cares? I don't know what I'm talking about other than just what I watch and what I can can learn from watching. But Baldy, who we all love, Baldy Breakdowns, Every, every every you know every Sunday every Monday on Twitter one of our favorite things because he's one of the smartest football minds that exists right now I don't know if you saw those tweets but Baldy was literally like I don't I don't even know what to say he's like he's like I feel so bad for Trey Lance because no one's helping him I don't I understand their game plan I don't understand like Baldy like literally sounded like the the dad that you know and love that's like I'm not mad I'm just disappointed mm-hmm like, like that's, that's how, how fucking bad, bad this, this offense, offense looks right
0: now. Do you think part of this was bad luck though, too, where Arizona put the ball on the ground four times and they recovered three of their own fumbles? Like if those go in the hands of the Niners, this is a different game, I think. Some bad nah, luck right there. No,
2: nah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna think about that because before this game they've got the least amount of takeaways in the NFL. So
0: hmm. there's something no, to no. that.
2: I'm not, not, gonna, I'm not gonna, gonna I'm not gonna I'm not giving not that them. to them because they, they couldn't get they couldn't, they couldn't they can't turn the ball over in the first place. First place. They, I mean and even, even still, still they can't score, score points. points. They, mm. have they have Brandon Ayuk and he got four, four targets, targets. The same amount of targets that our, targets our fullback, fullback got. got. Yes, yes, Juice is incredibly and talented and he's very athletic, he's much more than a fullback. But I don't know if you saw the play where Brandon Ayuk made that ridiculous catch. He a really good throw from Terry Lance. That play that really happened, happened, and then they, they literally went, like, like, three series without even looking at Ayuk again. Hmm. Like, like, like there was more of a game plan yesterday for Mohamed Sanu and, and Travis, Travis Benjamin, Benjamin than Brandon Ayuk. It's, it's, it it's should be – it's so illegal. illegal. It should be <laughs> illegal. Like, like it's, it's absurd. absurd. Marquise Goodwin, who had a had decent a, season when there was literally no other receiver on that team, team. could not – they couldn't, couldn't do anything, anything with his speed. speed. They never, they never took, took deep shots with Marquise. Marquise. There was a there was couple plays, plays, you know, the, 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 whatever. whatever. But my point but is, it, is like Marquise, Marquise was a better receiver, receiver than Travis and Benjamin. Benjamin. And, and like, what, what are you, what are you expecting, expecting from, the, from like Marquise. people keep being like, oh well, tra-, they brought Travis, Travis Benjamin in because he brings a different, different speed, different, different element to to the offense. offense. They did nothing with it. They did, did nothing with it. Speed, like was what? Wet. Like, there were the safeties. Well, they were they like maybe a couple of yards back? It didn't matter. Debo and Ayuk are clearly the best players on your team when it comes to offensive production. And Kittle's out. And Let's not even talk about the fact that Kittle's hurt again. Kittle's always hurt. I love George Kittle. He's a fan favorite. He's easily one of the most, the easiest people to root for on earth. He's always fucking hurt. He's always hurt. He's always hurt. Every year. So you, so you have Debo, you have Ayuk. They're proven, proven commodities. You don't give them the ball. Debo's <laughs> having the best, the best year of any. Like he's like leading the league in receiving yards, and it still seems like he's like got to beg to get the ball. What did you see when you watched it?
0: I mean, I, I just feel like Shanahan had a plan. I also thought this was interesting where. This stat I pulled because he was running for his life. I did, th- I did not think uh, San Francisco's offensive line played well at all in this game. Um, Mike Glennie
2: had four had penalties. penalties.
0: Yeah, that was not four, good. He
2: was like he got held, got, got held, held, three, held three. He held three, three times, times something like
0: that. JJ Watt had a, the game of his life in Arizona. He had three quarterback hits. He was all over the place. Like they made him look like it was 2015 all over again. Um, This was interesting. So I don't know if you noticed this in real time, but the Cardinals batted or tipped four of his pass attempts. That Mm -hmm. person being Lance, including one on the fourth and four at Arizona's forty-eight with seven fifty-three to go. That was the most by a Niners quarterback in the past ten seasons.
2: It was one. Yeah, Yeah. it almost broke records.
0: But that was something I had actually jotted down when I saw it in real time. I'm just like, that's a lot of. You don't see that many batted balls down. Is
2: what six? What is he six three?
0: Mm -hmm. It's
2: It's absurd. Like, like I don't I know if you like noticed it, but, but he stares, stares down his receivers. receivers. It's, it's hilarious, hilarious to me. Like, everyone, everyone wants to be like, "Nope, no, you can't, can't call." Like he's not like Cap, Cap. He's so <laughs> much better. He's not like Cap. Here we are. He still can't like. You have to like give him a limited offense. He's staring down receivers. He's running first. Like, are you telling me that doesn't remind you of early Cap?
0: I mean, there are a lot of similarities there. There are a lot of similarities there. Um, But I also think there is still some stuff to like. I still think, I mean, Kyler's ball on Norman where he hit, who was that, Hop? Who did he hit in the corner over there?
2: It was Hop. It was Hop.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's just, like, it was a perfectly timed ball. Like, Norman didn't have time to look out. Like, it was just, there was some really great stuff. Kyler had a great game. Did not know he had Bruce Lee on his uh, thigh pads. Did you know that?
2: I did not know that.
0: Yeah, he's all about Zen. He uh Kyler Murray, he's just a a cool cat. Um but we'll see. We'll see what happens. The Niners will we'll see what happens next week. It seems like Jimmy Garoppolo is, is still the guy going forward and I think well, Shane that's, that's, made that abundantly clear. But
2: that, so, so that's the, the thing. thing. You know, I will I say this. And and yeah, I you know, know, you know I'm, I'm not, not a, a reporter. I I I can't stress it enough. enough. You, you know this. If anybody's listened to me for a while, they know this. I'm just some fucking guy. Okay. But this fucking guy heard from multiple people this weekend that Jimmy was benched. That Yeah, he got hurt. He did. He hurt his calf. Mm. Conscious decision that Jimmy was being benched. And he knew it. And that the goal, the, the, the idea was they're going Lance forward. There's a lot, a lot of, of things, things that, I don't, I that make me not know whether or not I agree with, I agree with that. that. You know, talking to Kevin, Kevin Molina with 49ers, 49ers Hub, like you like pointed out a lot of the logical, logical fallacies there. there. But, like, but, like, to, to, to hear, hear two, two people, people separately, separately, they like, like they, weren't they weren't even, even together. together. I heard, I heard this from two, two separate, separate individuals, individuals say that. And then all of a sudden Trey Lance is injured. Like, I just – yeah, I don't know. The whole, like – I'm getting, I'm getting such, such Harbaugh like, like, meltdown, meltdown vibes right, right now.
0: Right now. Mm.
2: I don't mean I don't to, like, to like be dramatic, but like, so, like is this, this the best, best team ever to, to look, to look, look this bad from a talent loss perspective? I think... The worst I don't know, thing I about, about this team teams teams was supposed to be the corners. The corners are playing decent. Mm. The corners are literally not playing bad at all. Mosley had a great, a great game, game twice in a row. Josh Norman has no business playing as well as he's playing right now. He just came off the, the street. street. He's he's playing, playing decent, decent football. Like you the mentioned, the, the 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 pass, pass to hot. No, no one's, one's no, no one's, one's defending, defending that. So I can't really blame him for that. But the corners are playing well. It's not the corners losing the game. It's special teams. It's the it's the offensive linemen and the penalties. Not getting a turnover. Like I don't know, man. By the way, the Ravens just won.
0: Yeah, uh that that was a crazy inning. I'm going to text some UGA friends and family about that cuz they always talk about Rodrigo. Very pro hot rod. And yeah,
2: uh he, well, he just lost.
0: lost. Yeah, he just missed a big kick. Yep, yep. Um yeah, crazy night in the NFL. Not just there. Uh but we don't really have to get into all that. I think that will that will play out. Um uh, it was a pretty self-explanatory thing there. Um the Falcons though. The progression of the offensive line i did not think this would be a thing um i mean granted it is the jets and washington but washington last week i mean they have a formidable defensive line obviously with chase young and company but this group is playing better um the offensive line is getting better uh i i don't know i'm growing more optimistic cordero patterson does everything for this group uh kyle pitts went over 100 yards in this one first of a bunch no calvin ridley little concerned about what's going on there. He missed this one for personal reasons. Uh, Russell Gage, still not back. A lot of Christian Blake in this one. The uniforms were atrocious. Like, just burn yeah. those. Just burn these. the the gradient red and black. I mean, just perplex, perplexingly bad, bad look. Um, but, you know, defense doing okay. Uh, I don't know. The, the Falcons are, are fine. And then when you look at the schedule, you're like, oh, no, they could be okay. They might be there. I feel like they're just going to win too many games now to get a top pick. But then if you look at the quarterback situation coming into next year's draft, you're like, ah, this is uh, okay because then next year's quarterback class. I don't know if you're familiar, uh, not looking good at all. So I don't know. The top two picks, uh, North Carolina has gone off the deep end. They just lost at home to Florida State. So Sam Howell might come back. And then you have Spencer Rattler who got benched this weekend um and his backup came in and beat Texas. So, I don't know. The the quarterback market at the top of next year's draft is weird to say the least. Um you want to run through the games from this weekend, sir.
2: Yeah, who won, who lost?
0: Yeah, I got you. I got you. So, the NFL um took place this weekend people people are saying that there were nfl games outside of our own we love to talk about our teams the falcons and the niners but there were other games the interdivision game along with your own the rams 26 seahawks 17 how in trouble are the seahawks with wilson missing so much time
2: oh my my god God, dude they're not in trouble trouble. they're They're done done. done.
0: so they're out for you
2: before Before he got injured injured, injured. there was rumors rumors on on Twitter, twitter I don't even remember who it was saying that. Like they, like Wilson is still going to seek a trade, and then he got injured.
0: Has he played his last game as a Seahawk?
2: You know, know, it's hard to say that definitively because it's Russell Wilson, and he's such a, you know, he is the Seattle Seahawks. But honestly, I could see it. Absolutely. Where
0: does he want to go, though? Where does he go? You know, Aaron Rodgers is on the market too.
2: You have to remember. So, okay. So, So, I think maybe you have to to think about where where Sierra Sierra would maybe want to go. He's not going to either LA team.
0: Yeah, that's not open.
2: So, maybe Las Vegas, they move on on from Carr.
0: Why is that better? Why would you want to go from Seattle to Vegas?
2: Dude, he might just be ready to leave Seattle. It might not be about what else is out there. Mm. Uh, What about the Steelers, bro?
0: hmm the Steelers would not be bad
2: but that like a sneaky underdog team. team
0: I mean that'd be great Steelers so, would be, he gets he
2: to go to Mike Tomlin and, instead I of Pete Carroll
0: I mean I I wouldn't hate it I would not I would not hate it. but there's not a lot of teams I think the Eagles probably make the most sense to me
2: oh man I don't know
0: the Eagles maybe Washington uh but I mean, Miami, maybe Miami's the most interesting. I wonder if they get in on anything because I mean, I guess people are waiting to see what happens with Sean Watson there, but um, that would be bad. And teams, I know you're listening. Don't do that. That is my advice. Um, don't do something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I uh, The Seattle stuff could get really ugly in a hurry. And I, uh, I don't know. We haven't seen this in a really long time. They have been stable double digit win machines and if they fall off a cliff, man, I I don't know, Pete Carroll would be out. If you trade Wilson, like Pe- Pete Carroll's the oldest coach in the NFL. Does he retire at the end of the year? Do you just do this whole whole thing? Do you just really blow it all up and do a full rebuild? I I don't know. It's interesting.
2: I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, Honestly, I don't know. know. But I I am, am, you know, I said said it it and I'll say it again. again, I'm I'm very very excited excited for the Seattle Seattle Seahawks as fans, as as a team, as an organization, get to finally. And I, you know, know, I don't don't want want to see Russell Russell injured. injured. I hate hate that he broke broke his streak. It fucking sucks. sucks. And it is so so like ironic that of all the things, Wilson ends up. It's his finger, right? Yeah. You know, he's running all over the place constantly, and he ends up breaking a finger. Um. But I will say I'm very excited for this team to understand finally what it's like to not have that good of a quarterback and how fucking worthless they are for giving him such lacking of talent for so long. Mm. This is a two win team without Wilson.
0: I I don't disagree. I, this is bad. I mean, Gino looked OK, but I don't think this is going to going to go well down the stretch here. Uh, Vikings 19, Lions 17. My question to you, are we okay with Dan Campbell crying in that press conference after the fact?
2: I am. Okay. I am, but only because of what I've seen from the Lions so far. Okay. We've we've talked a little bit about it. I, you know, watched them play. I feel like the Lions, where they aren't a good team, they are playing hard and they've had some close games. They had another close game today. I do think they're not that far away. They're I, fighting for their coach. Yeah, 100%. And I think when you see what they've done for Dan already, and it's clear there's been reports that they do like him a lot, the, when you see Dan act the way he acts, you have to go, okay, well, this is why. The, you know, Whatever version of Campbell you see, that's clearly the team that's fighting for him. And I mean, they really—I mean—they they didn't do as well last week as they did this week, but they're—they're—they're literally—they're—they're they're, they're just an inch away. Only. It seems like every week from a win, they're playing hard, um, and that's really—you know—with a team like the Lions, that just traded away their franchise quarterback, that is rebuilding, you know, that just traded for Jared Goff, who's not great. I mean. I don't know. I, I'm happy with it. I'm, I, I'm a fan of Campbell and I didn't think I was going to be.
0: Yeah. Same, same. Um still concerned about his caffeine intake though.
3: Yeah. Still a little concerned. Terrifying.
0: That, that order is still preposterous to me. And that's coming from someone who drinks a lot of coffee. Uh, Saints 33, Washington 22, another horrible, horrible Taylor Heineke game. Uh, Washington is awful. Um the Saints, okay. They're getting a little bit less Jekyll and Hyde, and Jameis had some bombs to Marquez Calloway in this game. Are we ready to get Jameis Winston back in the MVP conversation?
2: Absolutely <laughs> not. I think Jameis is gonna continue to be the way he is okay. for his entire tenure. He'll have good he'll have good days, he'll have bad days. Um, you know, they've got a lot of talent around him.
0: I. I That's where I want Wilson to go, by the way. Is New Orleans the
2: Saints I mean that would be you know that would be the perfect
0: I mean as a Falcons fan that's a, my living hell but I think from a fit wise and you pair him with Sean Payton like the way Sean Payton used Drew Brees for less last years, I mean that's just poof
2: poof yeah no absolutely I mean that's best case scenario for Russell Wilson
0: yeah we'll see we'll see um, Pats 25 Texans 22 okay the Pats almost lost this game and I have to ask you based on what we've seen from Davis mills and just this Houston team this year, Evan had the Pats blown this and actually lost to this Houston Texans team, the Nick Casario bowl. Do we need to have, well, we have had the bill Belichick might be need to retire conversation. Like yeah. is it time? Is it time to go? Okay. What are we doing here? What are we spinning I, our wheels?
2: I mean, you've got to remember Tom Brady, Tom Brady went, went to the, to the Buccaneers, Buccaneers and won mm. the Super Bowl. And this week, yesterday, Bill Belichick almost lost to the worst team in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So, you know, should he retire? That's all on him. He's done enough. He's the greatest coach of all time. He can do whatever he wants. Um, But I think he should really be having an honest conversation with himself of, does he want to do this? Because this is a full rebuild, right? This is a rookie quarterback. This is, you know, getting rid of some cap casualties that you really – you know, you 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 made a lot of uh, deals for Tom Brady. You know, to to get the type of team that he wanted. It's it's a long. It looks like it's going to be a long road back to anything that might be a Super Bowl contender. So he's got to think he's got to ask himself if that's what he wants to do.
0: It's it's weird. The Pats are in such a weird place right now. Um, the Bucks. You mentioned Tom Brady. Forty-five. Dolphin. Seventeen. I just has Miami officially quit on this season and quit on Flores like this is just bad like this is not even just like Tua being out like this is this is the kind of game where it's like oh the Miami's not coming back like Miami's dug themselves way too big of a hole they're not even competing with the Patriots in the middle tier of the AFC East they're just objectively one of the worst teams in football all of a sudden the offensive line is in shambles Um, Chris Greer really messed up there. Um developing this offensive line. Austin Jackson doesn't look like the answer. Left tackle. Like there's just all kinds of issues. Um issue with this Miami team. And I, I don't know, man. Like this is this is bad, right?
2: I I I you know, I feel, I feel like, like for like the longest time going. we've always been like, yo, is is Miami, is Miami turning Miami a corner? A corner? Mm. I mean, I mean we did it with Tannehill back, back in the day. We we did it before it that. Like it's always, always like maybe, maybe, maybe. And then they, they, they just come back down to reality. I don't know how the Miami Dolphins have been this bad for this long, but like this is insane. Uh the Buccaneers are a great team. You know, they did lose their starting quarterback, but I don't know, man. It's just bad all around.
0: I I don't know. I think it's gonna get worse and I just I think people need to be on Brian Flores, Chris Greer watch. I I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh Packers twenty five, Bengals twenty two, just the the worst kind of game for the kickers involved here. Um but our friend of the pod, Joe Burrow, uh thankfully he is okay. Really taking a beating early in his career in Cincinnati. But um would you say this is a good loss for Cincy Evan Swords or a just a really, really bad win for Greenback?
2: No, I think it's a good loss for the Bengals. Um you know, you gotta remember how how, how short, short amount of time it was that the Bengals were really bad not too long, long ago. ago. They've, you know, they've, they've played, played well at well, the beginning of the season and they're going up against a really good Packers team and they're almost winning that game. They're a field goal away. Um, and I think when you're a rebuilding team with a young quarterback with a lot of talent, like these are the, this is kind of what you expect in those. This is what growing pains mean going up against the powerhouse, going up against Aaron Rodgers, and almost getting it. And then maybe next year you actually beat him, right? And so that's that's the type type of growth you want to see. I think think Burrow's looking really good. good. I think think a a lot lot of the things things you were most worried about with the Bengals, the offensive line, line, the defense, defense. you know, they're playing well. Um, They're just just not a serious contender by any means yet.
0: No, not yet. Um, The Steelers 27, Broncos 19. Was this the biggest stunner for you this weekend?
2: yeah it, it makes no sense <laughs> but then again i kind of told you that i wasn't really that impressed with the broncos too and you were all over that mm. so i guess i guess we should be asking you was this the big center for you this weekend
0: yes based on like what we saw from big ben what we saw from teddy i mean the Steelers did lose juju smith schuster for the rest of the season uh in this one defense played well for them but yeah i mean they were able to run the ball too Najee harris had his best game as a Steeler. Um, and that was a huge difference for them. But uh, I don't know. I, I think this was this was pretty bonkers. But also the Steelers were not going to be like one of the worst teams in football. It's just that uh, Ben Roethlisberger is just now one of the worst quarterbacks in football. So um, I think this is a blip. And Denver may have some offensive skill talent problems. Because when you look at uh, where they're at across the board, a little concerned outside of Cortland Sutton. Noah Fant, not a, not a big day again. Need him to do more. Uh, Billy. 21, Carolina, 18. Were you okay with Jalen Hurts hitting the Superman pose in this
1: one?
2: I mean, you know, I, if, if we're getting to a point where maybe this is like a, a, you know, a black quarterback thing where it's their way of, you know, being proud of their accomplishments on the football field, I'd love that because, you know, I remember Cap did it once back in the day. Obviously, it is Cam's thing. Right. Um. So, so you, know, you know, if if it's, it's something, something like, like that, that, I'd love, love it. You know, you if know, it if was if just something, something that, that hurts wanted to do in the moment, I like that, that, too. Moment, I like I like that, that too, you know. Um, um celebrate, celebrate it wins. It wins.
0: I had so, seen so. that it was something about uh um that he he has done it in the past. Like this may have been a thing for him a long time ago, but uh but yeah. Uh, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. I do think it uh, another interesting. Thing. So Sam Darnold the Panthers have now lost two straight Panthers are kind of reeling after starting off 3-0. and um, This comes from Cat Scratch Reader. I wanted to read to you. Quote, And for goodness sake, can we please get a left tackle? We've only been trying to solidify that spot since 2011. Because they did sign Taylor Morton, uh, or Taylor Morton, who has been great at right tackle. But I think they had him playing some left tackle this this game. But uh, yeah, uh, I think it's about time we actually do so. End quote. Um Yeah. They they don't that's like the under talked about part of Sam Darnold's struggles and I think he threw 3 picks yesterday. Um not a great look. No Christian McCaffrey. Chiba Hubbard is just not not what Christian McCaffrey is to this team. They need him back. Like this it's very clear that Darnold needs the elite talent around him and they need Christian McCaffrey to make this thing move. because um, this offense was, was bad and uh Sam Darnold looked looked bad, but he got hit a lot. And uh I don't know. I think Carolina had a stable left tackle and a stable offensive line. Maybe this is a little bit different, but if the offensive line is going to look like this, the majority of the season, I think Sam Darnold is in real trouble. What about you?
2: I mean, I just just think think that there's there's so many teams 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 in the NFL right now now that fit the mold mold of the Panthers and the Broncos, right? right? These are teams that that are like, like, they're playing decent football. They're winning some games, but it's still early in the season. You know, I think the Colts are a good example tonight, right? Like anything can happen in the beginning of the season because teams are still trying to figure their te- figure things out. They're still trying to figure the offense out, figure the defense out. Try things that work. Try things that don't work. And I think you're going to see teams like Broncos, who, yeah, they start out three and one, but I wouldn't – I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, surprised be surprised if they end up five hundred, maybe a couple, a couple games, games over. Like in the beginning of the season, season things are weird. And, and I you I mean, know, I don't, I don't know, know that, that I don't think, think the Panthers, Panthers are a serious playoff, playoff contender, contender team. Hmm. I don't either. Sam Darnold.
0: I don't either. Um, Bears twenty, Raiders nine. Uh this was the last game that John Gruden would coach. With the Las Vegas Raiders, we did not know that beforehand, but uh, obviously based on when Mark Davis got this uh, those emails uh, on Friday, it looks like, uh, he should not have coached this game. But uh, yeah, the Bears suddenly over 500 one one-two straight. Um, I, I don't know. I thought this was interesting from uh, Windy City Gridiron, great Bears blog. I wanted to read this. Quote, that has led to an NFL high 18 sacks for the bears and a top 10 mark in takeaways both good david new dc uh this season and he's paying dividends because the raiders offense scored just nine points on sunday were held to under 300 offensive yards for the first time this season um it's all great justin field's not having to throw the ball a bunch um he's able to do the little things in this offense uh Khalil herbert broke broke out like i love that chicago is just like running back you for guys who i watched a bunch in college who no one talked about but were awesome like david montgomery Khalil herbert tree cohen that's just like where good college running backs go to go to prosper um overlooked ones i should say uh but yeah uh this is all gonna end very quickly evan swords because do you know who chicago's next five games are
2: How was that
0: packers bucks niners steelers ravens
2: yeah that is, that is tough. tough with a capital, capital t. t
0: like i the bears like this is fine but justin fields i think you're in for for a rough next couple weeks but we'll see we'll see um cowboys justin,
2: for oh yeah justin, justin fields, fields needs to pull jimmy garoppolo <laughs> in <the calf> injury
0: <laughs> yeah that's a brutal stretch um bills Alright, excuse me. Cowboys forty four, Giants twenty. Saquon's ankle. Did you see what it looked like after that uh injury on Sunday?
2: Uh no. No.
0: It was it was awful. Like it was gruesome. And they were like wondering on the broadcast, like, is he coming back in? It's like, no, I don't think he's going back in. His ankle is the size of a watermelon. Um, but Kadarius Tony goes off. And do you know what Kadarius Tony did in this game? It's the highlight of the game.
2: Uh Punch someone in the face
0: he you're right but he punched a cowboys player uh with a helmet on uh close fist why are NFL players still doing this it is the dumbest thing you could do as a football player is punch a dude with a helmet on I mean I think it's just instinct. why are we still doing this
2: I, I think that's at the end of the day it's literally just instinct
0: is it but you're still looking at it. You're still looking at the helmet when you're connecting. Like, you're looking at what you're doing.
2: It's I do flight. It. I think it's really just what it comes, it comes down to, to.
0: Have you ever been in a fight?
2: Once. Interesting. Did you win? Uh, yes. <laughs> I am not a fighter. <laughs> I don't and I'm not, not in a, you know, I mean, I'm a, I, think I think I'm probably, probably a, fairly a fairly capable, capable man, man. But I just, I just nothing, nothing, like, I, I remember... remember. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. We used to, I had, like, I was one of the first people to have an apartment outside of high school. Mm. With a couple of friends. So we used to throw parties. And our buddy was there and he was too drunk. And he was like, we had a ping pong table where the dining room table should be because we were gender. playing beer pong all the time. And he was like going to knock it over. And I was like, yo, you got to, like, not lean on the ping pong table because you're going to knock it over. And he didn't like that. And I was like, hey, man, like, and I came up, well, you got to, like, stop it. It's This is not a very nice ping pong table. It will break. And he punched, yeah, he punched me in, me in the face. What? But he what? wasn't – he's a smaller guy, you know. And so, like, he punched me in the face, like, and I just basically kept explaining. Like, I didn't even, like, stop. I just, like, continued to be like, come on, man, you got to move. <laughs> and my friends, like, had to, like, literally pick him up physically and, like, DJ Jazzy Jeff, Fresh Prince and Bel-Air, threw him <laughs> out our front door. Um <laughs> And, and, you know, you know I, it, like things like it, that, I, I just, just – I've been punched in the face a couple times just because of dumb, dumb, dumb guys being dumb guys. guys. Like, like once at a party, we we're, were at University of Oregon for a guy that we were like really kicking out – you know, I, I guess really just really kicking, kicking people out of parties is where it happens. And he punched me in the face, and I was just like laughed. I was like whatever. Like my friend like ran up and like tried to fight him because he was like offended for me. I just – I'm not – I've never – yeah, I'm just not really a fighter.
0: Yeah, I'm not really either. I don't think I would win many fights. (laughs) I I don't think, uh, I don't think it would go well for me most of the time.
2: Yeah, Uh, I get it.
0: But I did see some crazy stuff this weekend in Knoxville. Like that is, uh, that's part of the territory living in a college town. Um, especially after games and just seeing, uh, uh, what happens after, um, bills 38 chiefs, 20 after a nine and a half hour weather delay, the bills take care of this one. But I thought this was interesting for a lot of reasons, Evan. Um, the Bills and the Chargers, I think, are the two best teams in the AFC. And I don't think it's particularly close at this point uh, in the season. Uh, this comes from td a great website, friend of the pod, Tyler Dunn. Um, quote, when the Bills hit the ball, however, it's a mismatch. The Chiefs are not just struggling on defense. They are garbage. They rank last in yards per play and 30th in rush defense and yards per attempt Pass defense. He wrote that before this game. That is what happened in this game where Josh Allen couldn't do anything intermediate, anything close. He only hit bombs and ran the football like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes led their team in rushing at the half. I believe in this one and Allen was just on fire like his bombs like he had some open guys. And uh, I think it was Diggs and I think it was Emmanuel Sanders. He found Dawson Knox who has just turned into a stud for them, but they knew what they needed to do. Sorensen is just awful. Um, he is killing the Chiefs. And Tyron Matthew, that meme of him.
2: It's so bad.
0: Just being mad at him over and over again. The Chiefs defense is broken. And they don't have the pieces to fix it all in one one season. So I'm going to go ahead and write off the Chiefs just because that defense cannot be fixed in like one trade deadline. I don't think you can you can do that. So I think they have to do a whole, whole adjustment. Um, and it stinks because that offense is still great. But I don't know. Uh, I think the the Chiefs have real problems. They're two and three now. And uh, Allen, big time field, big time downfield throws. He was four for 172 yards and two touchdowns. Allen might be my MVP right now. What about you? I
2: mean, I mean what do you, do you think? I was, I was worried, worried about, about the Bills, Bills game, game week, week one. one. I was like, God, was I really that wrong about, about, about the Bills? Bills. And, then and then this came, came out, and I was just like, like, like oh, you know, Yeah, there it is. It is. Like, like it's, it's it, it is. is. Thoroughly impressive to see what the Bills are doing right now. now. Allen is just, you know, as a guy who's had Jimmy Garoppolo and and Trey Lance and Colin Kaepernick and and Alex Smith, Smith, who in their own right can can be, be, you you know, good quarterbacks in certain situations. But it is, you know, watching the Chiefs and the Bills as a 49ers fan yesterday, I was like, God, must be nice. Like there is no pass that Josh Allen can't make.
0: He's also just fun as crap to watch, man. That dude is just fun to watch. He is electric, and you never know what he's going to do with the football. Um, man, if the Super Bowl was today, like our two favorites, can you imagine before the season? Like, I would love to go back on our previews and list this, but like, who? No one honestly had Bills Cardinals as a realistic Super Bowl matchup before the season, or even Chargers Cardinals.
2: I mean, I mean, I... I. Don't Don't know that I... I I mean, I'd have to go back, back, but I definitely was higher on the Chargers Chargers than most, and and I did have the Bills as my my Super Bowl team.
0: I did too, actually. No, I didn't. I wish I could say that. I had Browns, Rams, I think, which is still in play. Still in play. Um, Well, let's talk about that last game real quick. I wanted to save Chargers, Browns for last. Um, Browns, 42. Chargers, 47. I'm ready to say, as of right now, Justin Herbert is the more electric quarterback. Just some bonker stats from him. Uh, Through his first two seasons, no other quarterback has as many games with three touchdowns and zero interceptions, seven, as well as games with over 300 passing yards coming from SB Nation's LA Chargers Um, The only player to have, oh, this is for Derwin James though as well, the only NFL player to have 14 tackles because he had 14 tackles, in this game, in any half of a regular or postseason game in the last 15 seasons, Derwin James, 14 and one half. It's so what a game. The Chargers are incredible.
2: Yeah, it, it is so, so fun watching them. them. And it and just it, makes it, me so happy that Justin, Justin Herbert was the guy that they were like, oh, his personality hes too much of a pussy. He's too quiet, whatever. And he's just like, I will murder you on the field. I will ruin everything you've ever loved. Any hope you have in your team, I will end it.
0: Do you know who could use Justin Herbert right now? Who? The
2: Oregon Ducks. Okay, okay. this is an NFL podcast, so I'm going to kindly need you to fuck off. <laughs> and to be honest with you, Justin, Justin Fields has played much better football since he left the Oregon Ducks. Justin Fields. Fields. Justin
0: Fields. Oh, excuse, oh, excuse me, Justin Herbert, Herber. sorry. Okay. I was like, what are we Okay. Yes, he has. Um, he has been better. Which nobody, nobody saw that coming. Uh, but he's been great. He's been great. Uh Mr. Swartz, are you ready to run through our picks this week? Do you want to put the timer on the clock? Ah, <sighs> He's so tired, folks. He's so washed. This is, he's I he, am you're almost washed. there. I gotta, you gotta say,
2: I'm say I'm doing pretty, pretty, pretty good, good though day. for a guy. You are. They're aggressive, and we're going into week seven. Is that correct?
0: Uh, no, this is week six. Week seven for college football, though.
2: Okay, first off, we got the Eagles and the Bucks, and we'll be both taking the Bucks. <laughs> mm hmm. Then Dolphins and Jaguars. What a sad game! Oh,
0: this one's in London, I think.
2: yeah no.
0: Uh man, this is just what
2: a I'm going, awful. I'm going Dolphins just out of my pure disdain for Urban Meyer, and I would love to see him go in six. I think and I'm going Jaguars. A little bit better of a team.
0: I think I'm going Jaguars here. I think the Dolphins' offense is broken, like legitimately just broken. Give me the Jags.
2: I would, I would love to have him go 0-6 in, in London. Having him for his first win being out, outside of the country would be funny too. Vikings mm-hmm. and Panthers. I'm going Vikings.
0: <sighs> I think the Panthers are better too. Give me the Give me the Panthers.
2: Bounce back week for them. It would be possible. Chargers, Ravens, fuck. This,
0: this is, is going to be game. delightful. Then
2: they not flex that?
0: Yeah, that is... I, it, but it does feel like the Ravens have been on primetime a bunch already. This Seahawks
2: year. and Steelers, Steelers. you got to flex, flex that.
0: that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Wolf. Well, folks, if you wanted to go to that pumpkin patch with your girl this weekend, Sunday night might be the time to do it. Pencil it in. Some, Sunday night, date night. Because you can miss Steelers Seahawks, I promise you.
2: A hundred percent, I will. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not watching it,
0: Gino versus 2021 Ben, ben Um yeah. Give me the, give me the, give me the Ravens.
2: Oh man, I like that. I like that. I'm going with the Chargers. You go with the Ravens. Makes sense. No faith ever. <laughs>
0: I mean, Lamar's pretty good, and the Ravens are a pretty good football team. Very different offense. They are completely abandoning the run and oh, well, going dude. downfield all the time. Hollywood Lamar Brown, was, downfield Lamar assassin.
2: Was tonight. He was yeah. throwing very well. Rams and Giants. Shitty game.
0: Yes, Rams. Does Judge get fired after this one?
2: No, they're not going okay. to. They might go to the rest of the year without firing him, which is they should fire him tomorrow. They should okay. fire him tomorrow just so they can beat the Raiders. Hmm. I mean, not that they can hire anyone right now anyways.
0: <coughs> oh, man, this next game looks terrible, too. But there are a lot of terrible games this week.
2: There's a lot of terrible games in general. Texans and Colts, I got the Colts.
0: Oh, I got the Colts, too, but oh.
2: Yeah, oh. I don't watch that game at all. Uh, Chiefs and... <sighs> okay.
0: Chiefs-Washington. I mean, Chiefs, obviously, but oh. The Alex Smith Bowl.
2: Yeah, I don't want to watch that at all. Bears, Bears, Packers.
0: I want to watch this one.
2: I mean, I just don't, I don't feel bad.
0: I'm curious. I'm curious. Does Aaron Rodgers get hit a bunch? Is Chicago able to limit what Aaron Rodgers does? This is a close game. This would be a huge game for Justin Fields. That being said, still give me the Packers. But I would not be surprised if this one's close, too.
2: I would agree. I think it could be close Be at yeah, Packers. Bengals and Lions. Do the Bengals bounce back? Or does Campbell stop crying?
0: I think the bingos get this one. Man, the Lions, he's going to get a win. Campbell, you're going to get a win. It's just not going to be this week.
2: Yeah, man, I'm going to take the Lions, but I keep taking them and they keep losing, so I feel bad. Cardinals and Browns this is going to be a good game too. This Browns can't
0: game. catch a break right now in the scheduling. Back-to-back Chargers, Cardinals. Um, I, I think the Browns here. I think this is where the Cardinals' luck runs out. I think the Browns bounce back.
2: I'm taking the Browns, the Browns this week, and That was down, going to be kind of my Hail Mary to like kind of get back into this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I need the, the, the Cardinals to lose. Um, so I would like to see that happen.
0: Good four o'clock game.
2: Cowboys Patriots. That should be not a good game.
0: It'll be interesting, though. It'll be interesting. Uh, I will not watch that one. Browns Cardinals will have my attention. But uh, give me the Cowboys. Patriots can't score enough. There's no way they can keep up with the Cowboys offense. And Cowboys defense, legit takeaway machines. Dan Quinn's done a really good job there.
2: Do we not remember when I, said Diggs, said on man. This, when, I when I said on this podcast, I want the 49ers, 49ers to sign Dan Quinn. Quinn. And you gave me shit for it.
0: Well, I mean, to be fair, I'd just gone through multiple seasons of this and just... Uh, as
2: a head coach.
0: The track record was not good.
2: As a head coach. I mean, he was, a
0: mean, he was calling the defense too. Okay. I mean,
2: I mean Kyle's, Kyle's calling the fucking offense. that <laughs> <offense before. laughs> Fuck, man.
0: I'm give D'Amico Ryan's time. He might. Demiko's,
2: by the way, D'Amico's doing a pretty good job.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I was kind of not there, but he is. Um, Raiders, Broncos. This is a weird...
0: Broncos, obviously, that. but yeah. I uh, Just, uh... Poof. Raiders. Oh, my goodness.
2: I just don't like when these two teams play each other. I'm never interested in the game.
0: Oh, I'm usually in great history between these two teams, but... Uh, Man, Raiders season already over. Everything's bad. Poor um, Derek Carr. I am
2: I am exci- I am interested just to see how the team plays. Mm. What do we got? Steelers Seahawks.
0: I guess Steelers.
2: All right. I think, I think yeah. yeah. I think like Gino's think-
0: not going into Pittsburgh winning this game. I don't think the Seahawks will win a game without Russell Wilson.
2: Yeah, yeah I th- I, don't I don't think they will well either. Agreed.
0: Last Bills game. Titans. Ooh, Monday night, the Monday night
2: miracle. I gotta say, man, the, the Titans have looked trash this year. I think we got a little bit excited with Tan Hill and we were expecting this to be like a long term thing, but like AJ Brown's looking bad. He's looking bad. I'm taking the Bills in a maybe a pretty handedly fashion.
0: The Titans offense is rolling. Like Derrick Henry's numbers are just preposterous like preposterous what he's doing um 31 touches a game he's on pace for 480 carries i think this year it's just it's insanity what his workload is um will he be able to do it against this bills front i don't know uh no one stopped him to this point though so i think the bills win but i think this is going to be like a 45 38 type game um would not be surprised if the titans are in this with two minutes to go give me the bills though
2: Agreed, agreed. Is this the fastest we've ever done a podcast?
0: I think we're both tired.
2: I mean, I I, I don't know if you are, but I can, I can say with my whole heart that I am.
0: Mm. Hey, you know we're efficient. We're, we know we're done. We're efficient. Do you want to do uh, 20 minutes on Gruden?
2: I don't want to do 20 minutes on Gruden, but I will say this. A lot of people are going to talk about John Gruden specifically. Um, KP, uh, who runs Niners Nation, the SB Nation blog, said it very well tonight. I want people to understand something. that John Gruden is not an outlier. This is an old boys club of of NFL head coaches, and I guarantee you that the majority of them talk like this. And it is unfortunate that, like they mentioned right now, Allen – the old, the old Washington, Washington football, football team, you know, team, owner, owner right? right? They did this entire investigation right. on Gruden. All, All of these, these emails, emails were with Allen. Allen. We've yet That's to hear, hear one thing about the Allen. Allen, about Allen's, Allen's side, side, or what, side what he might have said. said. And the and reason the why is because owners run, run this league. league. This, this is uh, – John, John Gruden, is Gruden is a piece of shit. shit. I mean, he – Adam set hit the nail on the head. Right. right, he, he went, went out. He literally did. Uh, did uh, he offended every single, single person, person he possibly, possibly could. Good. LGBTQ, um, minorities. minorities uh, you, you know, know it's just, just everybody, everybody. everybody. He, he is a, a scumbag, scumbag. But, but these people exist a lot more than, than we we want to admit. And, and what, what, what what he, he said, said, we need to did, we need, need, to need to stop accepting that as the norm. And we need to just make sure that we. That when, when things, things like this, like this happens, happens, that this is the reaction you have. Get these people the fuck, fuck out of out the NFL. NFL. There's, there's no, no room, room for, for it. it. It's 2021.
0: I agree. I think there have to be consequences. And I think the only way to move forward is swift actions. And it's also kind of a bad look that he quit and they didn't fire him. Like the fact that he resigned. And um, I don't know. It's an awakening. And I think there should be more to come because there's no way in that, what, 365,000 email list that uh, there he's the only person implicated and uh i don't know i suspect it's going to get worse um and there's going to be more stuff that comes out my guess um but we shall see we shall see um mr swords we can check you out and all the good folks at 49ers hub.com go follow you on twitter at burner underscore swords follow myself at chase underscore thomas uh if you like listening to evan and i evan what are the what are the good folks do
2: I'm gonna make it really easy tonight. I'm oh
0: yeah, I have
2: less in tank, but I'm gonna be very, very clear. Mm-hmm. You have five weekdays in the week,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? You get your two days off, like most most people do, to re- to to relax, reset, rewind, or in my case, aggressively drink. But you get five days in the week to to get your job done, to do your work before that weekend comes, and I need five stars. One for, one for each day of the week, week that you are working, working for the amount of, amount of work, work that this man puts in seven, seven days a week constantly. constantly. And I'm also just because I'm asking nicely.
0: That was the nicest you've asked thus far.
2: You know, I'm, I'm feeling vulnerable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Swartz, I'll talk to you next week.
2: Alright, buddy. All right, buddy.
0: All right, we are back on this Monday edition of the Chase Mons Podcast, where I am now joined by someone who watched OU Texas lose their collective minds on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Austin Cartwright is here. Austin, good evening, sir. How are you?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. Now that you've had uh, twenty or 48 hours or so to let all this sink in, to really think about what happened in Oklahoma's come from behind stunner over the horns. Um, how would you articulate what happened on Saturday against Texas?
1: Well, it was a wild one for sure. But, um, just to put it in one word, I'd say chaotic. Mm. Um, you know, this was obviously Texas get out to the huge lead at one point, a Fox ran on the field in the first quarter. Um, Spencer Rattler, the preseason Heisman favorite, gets benched for Caleb Williams, um, the huge comeback biggest in the showdown history, um, and then you know com- combine all of that with it being surrounded in the middle of a state fair in the first year back from you know the pandemic of that event happening. So it was it was madness. Um, it was one of the, if not the craziest games I've probably ever witnessed in my entire life. So. Um that's just to put it pretty simply, just pretty chaotic.
0: I like it. I like it. Um, what about Lincoln Riley's game plan in this game? Do you Did you think it was effective when you were watching this game as someone who is f- more familiar than myself with just what he's trying to do week in and week out, especially with this group? Um, offensively, was his game plan, uh, was it effective? Did you like how he was scheming to get guys open? Um, did you like what he was actually giving to Spencer Rattler to do? Um, was he asking too much of Rattler? Like, what what about Lincoln's game plan stood out to you in this one?
1: So I don't necessarily know that the the game plan changed a whole lot from quarterback to quarterback, but um, Rattler is, is not a mobile guy. He he he's just he's not you know he's not going to run around and scramble out. But um, and the offensive line has struggled this year for OU just a lot. It's been probably its biggest question mark. Um, for the team all season, and Rattler is, you know, a guy that is is a veteran guy for whatever two years now. But I, I wouldn't necessarily say that the game plan was too much different. I think that Spencer Rattler adds just a different sort of play style to Caleb Williams, who obviously replaced him. But um, you know, if you if you look back at some of of Caleb's second half. Um, highlights you know to say um, most of them were sort of predicated on him getting outside the pocket or throwing on the run because you know there's there's kind of guys in the backfield like really frequently um, if you just watch the tape so I think that's one thing that Rattler struggles with and you know that's not saying that Rattler's not a good quarterback in my mind at least I don't think that he is not capable of winning games or and it's anything that Lincoln Riley is not doing for him to excel. And I think it's just more of, you know, with, with this team's play style, maybe he, he might not have much of the success as someone that can, you know, run around as much.
0: How do you think he handled the benching and everything afterwards?
1: Um, I think he, he probably handled it. Like most players would, um, first he obviously got benched and then came back in and had the, the, two-point conversion that tied the game that Lincoln Riley said was the biggest play of the game that he trusted Rattler to come back in on after sitting for three quarters um I think that showed that was kind of testament to how he um you know recovered from that but after the game um, the team was celebrating um everyone was taking their turns with the golden hat on um you know you look on one side and all these cameras are going over to Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley and his wife are trying to go hug Caleb Williams. Then you look off to the side and Spencer Rattler is just sort of lost in a crowd of OU OU players. And then Spencer Rattler actually left early to go to the locker room and just completely, you know, disregarded taking the team picture Mm. um, at the end with the full team. So, um, you know, that's something that has not been addressed yet. Obviously we're, Gonna talk to Lincoln Riley tomorrow about that, or this is on a Monday, so this would be. We'll talk to Lincoln Riley on Tuesday, so um, we'll see. We'll see about that. About that's sort of some of the questions that are unanswered right now.
0: True or false? Spencer Rattler starts next week for for the Sooners.
1: Oh, that's a tough one. I'm going to go ahead and say false. But mm. Lincoln Riley today told said on. Told coaches call said that he's not committed to either guy. He's going to see what happens out at practice. So I totally wouldn't be surprised if Lincoln trots out Spencer Rattler on Saturday as the starter. Um, I'm sure he'll get booed again by the crowd if they see his name pop up on the video board pregame. Um, and then you know to combat that again, there's a chance that he plays both of them. I I think it's so up in the air. Um, Lincoln Riley's not a guy to be super open about those things pretty typically i'm sure when the updated death chart comes out on thursday or friday this week it's going to say spencer rattler or caleb williams so it's one of those things that i don't think we'll we'll have any idea about until the game starts on saturday
0: I've lived through this this season here in Tennessee with Hinden Hooker and Joe Milton. It sounds a lot like Joe Milton early on before they finally just was like, all right, he's played too well. We just got to get to go with Hooker here. Um, That might be what it is with Williams. And uh, the crowd was not happy in Nealon for for weeks with the Milton overthrows. But I want to ask you this, too, is just that like you mentioned the offensive line woes for the Sooners this year. Is it that Spencer is not? Really a runner and he's more of a pocket guy like him playing behind a poor offensive line uh, lends itself to being more uh, more just easier for somebody like Williams to uh, make stuff happen to do things outside of the pocket and to uh, thrive when things break down around him versus Rattler who may just be one of those quarterbacks who just needs uh, a great offensive line in front of him to do the kind of stuff that he does in a really, really efficient way. Um, Like, are we getting any booze? Are we getting any of the struggles? Are we getting any of the benchings? If Oklahoma's offensive line is not having the problems that it's having,
1: I'm going to go ahead and say, no, I think to that. Um, Spencer has had his fair share of struggles. He's, um, Decision making was a big one. He, I, there's been a few times this season where it's just him forcing a pass, or which we haven't really seen too much from him. Um, but you know, it, it, it's happened pretty f- a few times. But um, I just I just think that Caleb Williams adds a, a wrinkle to this offense that Spencer Rattler can't provide just with his feet. Um, like I said, uh, you know, just his ability to buy time and you know. F- make make plays out of the pocket that Rattler can't quite get to is is definitely something new. And that's something that Lincoln Riley's proved to be able to have these high-powered offenses with Kyler and, and Jalen Jalen Hurts and even Baker could scramble a little bit. And I think it adds a whole nother layer to that. Um, obviously, it, there in the second half, there was a few plays where Caleb was in the backfield paired with Kitty Brooks, um, and they were doing – just these like direct direct snaps to Kennedy Brooks, but like at an angle almost while he was in the backfield. And I think that is something that, you know, adds a whole nother thing you have to worry about is is Caleb Williams's legs. And then obviously, you know, he opens up so much like read option game. And that's helps um a running back like Eric Gray, who obviously came from Tennessee, which I'm sure you know of him. But um you know, he's he's more of a shiftier guy and he's not gonna be, you know, always super leaned on to run in between the tackles and you kinda need to, you know, rely on the offensive line for, for runner for runs like that and I think that helps just open up so many more people, you know, in that aspect.
0: Hm. Um, in terms of the Longhorns, uh, do you think Sark matched Lincoln? With his in-game coaching for the majority of this one, did you think they were on the same level, or did you see stuff that Sark made errors that Lincoln, Poundstein, and Lincoln actually won the the coaching duel here for, for part one here?
1: I, I think Sark, for the most part, I mean, I'm not in the rooms, but you know, from my perspective, it looked like he called a pretty good game. I mean, OU's defense has been pretty improved this year and pretty solid, but I mean, he hung 48 points up and a ton of yards and. Um, obviously, at times you could tell he was clearly attacking some of those weaker points of OE's defense. Defense, which is some of those, um, you know, some Jaden Davis who started at cornerback. He sort of attacked him, and that was proven early on with first play of the game. Went, you know, bubble screen and attacked Jaden Davis, and he got burnt for seventy-five yards. And then you know there are other times where um, Xavier Worthy, the freshman, was on the outside and they're just throwing it up and Jane Davis just kept getting burned, kept getting burnt. So, you know, I think that his game plan was, I mean, pretty good. Obviously he's sort of up there with some of the, you know, bigger offensive minds or more talented offensive minds in college football. And, you know, I, I'd say that offensively um, Texas played really well. Um, I just think that sort of in the end, uh, Texas defense gave a little bit too much and, you know, that's, Kind of hard to plan for when you game plan for Spencer Rattler, and then someone completely different comes in halfway through the game that you have to adjust for.
0: Absolutely, um, is the defense good enough? Is is Grinch's unit good enough to run a run the gauntlet in the college football playoff?
1: You know, I, I think that's the biggest question over the years, um, and I'm going to go ahead and, and say yes. Um, I think what's what's been pretty telling about this defense compared to years past is this defense is not probably not elite. Um, you know, they still have time to prove themselves of course, but, but when this defense needs to come up big, um, they have, um, you know, look back to week one and even Tulane, Tulane has the the chance to drive down the field and win it and come up with a stop. Nebraska has a chance to tie go down the field and tie it. They get a stop. Um, and then Texas game last week. Um, Texas only scored ten points in the second half. So I think um, they're going to be good enough. They're not great. I think a great phrase to sort of, um, you know, describe this defense this season has been "bend don't break." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're not going to necessarily wow you with anything, but I think they're going to you know do just enough. And I think that there was a pretty pretty obvious sort of spark that caleb williams gave to this team i think he sort of displays more of that that edge that you know i don't know if this is a fair uh, comparison but he sort of has that edge that that baker and kyler had um it's it just it seems so much different when he's commanding a team and i think the players kind of rallied around him it seems like he almost elevated everyone's game when he came into the game, and that hasn't necessarily been seen when when Spencer was out there um, previously. And in the second half, I think that was sort of proven. And that OU played easily its best ball of the year in the second half in that fourth quarter as well.
0: I like it. I like it. Um, something that I think is interesting too when I think about it, because the Big Twelve just shoots itself in its foot with uh with their kind of scheduling, and this is obviously gonna change when the new members come in and OU and Texas depart. But um is there a team in the Big Twelve right now that you think OU has no interest in playing twice this season that could derail them, that could knock them out of the playoff? Is there one matchup? Is it Baylor? Is it Oklahoma State? Uh, is it Kansas state? Who, who do they not want to see twice the most this season? Who do you think poses the most amount of opportunity to, to up in their season?
1: And that's a tough question, but I, I think, I think the, the only answer you can kind of sort of, um, you know, respond to that too, is either obviously Texas, just because of the pageantry of that rivalry, but I'm going to go a little off base and, and go with Kansas state. Hmm. Um, Chris Kleiman Kleiman has showed that he kind of has Lincoln Ryder's number. He beat him twice. Um, OU even struggled with him at times uh, two weeks ago in Manhattan. Um, Again, I think when OU would get rolling by the time that November rolls around or December, I don't even know what time the Big 12 Championship happens now, but um, I, I think that OU would end up being okay. Also, I think this is just one of the weaker Big 12 years, and one of the the weaker years in terms of talent and college football, just in general, it's, it's kind of weird when you look at the AP poll and see like Oklahoma state is 12. They're, they're not a bad football team, but like they've clearly struggled with teams that they probably shouldn't have just like kind of everyone this season. So um, we'll see. I think as the season goes on, there's going to be a lot of surprises and, and a lot of new faces and, and spots that fans probably aren't you know necessarily used to.
0: I like it. I like it. Um, remaining schedule questions: who do you who do you have circled that you're most curious about uh, for OU down down the stretch here?
1: I'm going to go with I'm going to go with OSU um, Oklahoma mm. State. Um, that game is in Stillwater this year, which can be a pretty tough place to play at times, and that game is typically you know last game of the year, and um, that game with Oklahoma State keeps playing the way they're playing, um, you know. That could be a game that sort of, you know, has playoff implications and, you know, either one of those teams is, I think, you know, there's a pretty safe prediction that people could be making that, you know, Oklahoma state and OU play each other again for the big 12 championship after playing each other last week of the season. So I think that's something that could be really interesting to see going forward. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the ones that I'm sort of circling that could be, that could be tough. Um, Lincoln Riley is, hasn't lost Oklahoma State yet as head coach, but um, OU hasn't really necessarily struggled in that game in the past, but, you know, that's one of the, the sneakier matchups that I think they can have problems with.
0: That's interesting, because I don't think they strike me at all as a team, like you said, Lincoln's never lost to them. Um, I still think they have a lot of problems with that offense. I, I don't know if they can score enough. They kind of seem like a poor man's Kansas State uh, in terms of how they'll match up against Oklahoma to me. Baylor what we've yeah. seen th- so thus far and having to go to Waco before Iowa State and Oklahoma State to wrap up the season. Like, what Baylor, I think they had at 525 yards uh, total uh, this week. Jeff Grimes has completely transformed that offense very, very quickly mm-hmm. um, in Waco. Yeah. I'm very curious to see how Oklahoma plays and how they tackle, especially this Baylor offense because I don't know. I my gut tells me that's going to be a high scoring affair, and I, I would be. I, I'm just. I'm not saying that they're going to win. That the Baylor Bears are going to win that game, but it is a big, big test, and that is something Dave Aranda and the Baylor Bears absolutely would love, love nothing more than to to have that one. So I am very, very curious on November thirteenth, um, what Baylor looks like, and Jeff Grimes does against that Alex Grinch defense.
1: No, I, I totally agree with you on on that sentiment. There, Waco Waco's, you know been a tough place to play for for a while now, and I would imagine that game is probably played at night. And you know maybe they go um, you know with the blackout with the, with the crowd that they've done in years past. I th- I think that's what they do, but um, that could be a really tough environment for um, you know what's safe. Caleb Williams is starting in that game as a freshman, going into an hostile environment like that. And you know, Baylor wasn't. Um, Baylor was still, you know, sort of on the rise last year. It wasn't necessarily one of the better teams in the Big Twelve. But um, you know, Dave Aranda has obviously um, been pretty successful against OU in the past. Um, he did it at LSU, even last year. I think the final score was you know twenty. I think OU only scored twenty four points last year in that win. Um, so yeah, um, I definitely agree with you that that could be, um, another tough game and, you know, sort of in the big 12 is everyone's, I think really everyone sort of poses a pretty tough challenge to almost everyone in the big 12, other than probably Kansas. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird league where sort of everyone just kind of beats up on each other.
0: Absolutely. Well, what can we check out from you, uh, in Oklahoma coverage this week, Austin?
1: Yeah. So, um, we'll be, we're here and OU is, uh, here in Norman. So, uh, there's three of us at OU daily sports, quick shout out, um, Mason Young, Chandler Engelbret, we're the three sports editors here. Um, yeah. So we're going to venture to Lincoln Riley's weekly press conference tomorrow. Um, we got another quick one on Wednesday and a quick one on Thursday. And, you know, we're gonna, uh, we're have covers every day here and lots of enterprise, lots of long form stuff, uh, you know, we truly think we do some of the the best coverage on this beat, despite being just students. So, um, yeah, check us out on Twitter. I'm we're all pretty active on Twitter. My at is Austin Kurt Wright. Um, little little pin in there, but yeah, check us out on OUdaily.com dot com and um, can see our content there for free.
0: Go do that. Keep it the great work, my friend. Thank you so much for making the time. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Cool. Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, the Monday night edition of the Chase Mons podcast rolls along where I am now joined by one of my favorite beat writers across all of college football. It's Michelle Gardner. Michelle, good evening. How are you?
3: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. So it's does it feel like the Stanford game was forever ago now? Have you already moved forward? Does it feel like that happened just a lifetime ago at this point?
3: Absolutely, especially because <laughs> it was a Friday night game and mm-hmm. I had all of Saturday to literally sit down and watch every other college football game. So that's the benefit of your team playing on Friday is you can really sit through a Saturday and watch as much college football as you want, which I did.
0: It, it's nice. Like Tennessee opened their season, um, I think it was on a win- Thursday, actually, against Bowling Green. So it was already out of the way, and I didn't have to think about them on Saturday, and I could just uh, focus on other teams. It's It's pretty nice not to, like, allocate that time especially being here and going to the games it just uh it, it it complicates things a little bit but hey these are these are fun problems to have um so if you were to explain what happened in that game because a lot of people have tried to get a good read on the stanford cardinal tanner mckee and what he's been doing this season in stanford just the way they've been playing and the ups and downs of their season very very confusing to figure out who david shaw's team is but I think Arizona State is far less difficult to figure out at this point. But if you had to explain what happened in that game on Friday night, uh, what happened against Stanford? Why were they able to win so handedly?
3: Well, ASU basically made Stanford a one-dimensional team. They literally could not run the ball. They finished the night with nine yards rushing. And it—you know at that point, they just kind of gave up running the ball because ASU has... And they've done that pretty much all year. They've done a very good job on the other teams running back or running quarterback. So that's something that, that they've done well. And, you know, with and, and Stanford doesn't run the ball. This isn't Stanford ground and pound like it was however many years ago. They don't have those kind of backs right now. Uh, so Tanner McKee kind of had to pass the ball a lot. He threw 45 times. That's a lot. Came into the game with no interceptions. ASU picked him off three times. And yes, he had 300 plus yards passing, but when you make a team or a, you know you make a team one-dimensional, it that kind of plays right into ASU's hands. And and they picked off three passes. One of them was a brilliant interception. Um, it was the one that they turned into the final score, where uh, Jack Jones made the pick, and he's literally got a tackler on top of him, and he's falling to the ground, and he flipped the ball to DeAndre Pierce, who was like two feet from him, and DeAndre Pierce ran 27 yards for a touchdown. It was field awareness that was unbelievable. So that that was the final score. And ASU really kind of controlled that game from start to finish.
0: Yeah, I mean, ASU is just – I mean, that's why I'm so – interested to see what happens with utah and we'll see uh we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit but they're very different and asu i mean when you think of the pac 12 you don't really think of this kind of playing style and i think when people think about Jaden daniels they think about the high octane offense and everything but in reality it's it's antonio pierce and it's this defense and they're kind of suffocating and tyler johnson being special like Arizona State knows exactly who they are, and they're now figuring some stuff out where it's like, oh, they know how to play their brand of football that will win football games, especially in the Pac-12. It's just very different than the kind of Pac-12 offenses and Pac-12 games that we're accustomed to, right?
3: Well, you know, it's it's been kind of a strange go for this team because... It's been kind of a slow growing process. And if you were to watch them the first few games of the season, they were underwhelming. And I'll go back to the loss to BYU, where everybody here was hitting the panic (laughs) switch. Yeah. Um, Losing that, granted, BYU is a great team, but when you have 16 penalties for 135 yards, that is what got people's attention here. And just people were kind of in panic mode. Uh, And then, you know, they come in the next game and they beat Colorado, but it's Colorado. They're not, you know, they're a bottom tier team in the Pac-12. So then the fans were kind of like, okay, well, it's a little bit better, but it's only Colorado. Mm -hmm. But I think where it turned was the UCLA game. Mm -hmm. And they were, the way they won that game and they shut out UCLA in the second half at home That doesn't happen to the Bruins very often. So I think that's the game that kind of got people's attention, got people back on the bandwagon, got this team a little bit more confident in what they do, and they just kind of built on that.
0: Do you think Jaden Daniels and Zach Hill have found found the right rhythm with one another?
3: Absolutely. I, I think when you go back to last year, the one thing everybody forgets is ASU only played four games last year. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we saw the growth out of Jaden Daniels last year that we wanted to see simply because it was new offense, new group of receivers. It was a month between the first game and the second game. So I don't really think he had the growth last year that you want your quarterback to have as a sophomore. So now you fast forward to this year, he's a junior but technically, he's probably late his sophomore year if you count the games he played last year with this year. So, I think we're just now seeing the evolution of Jaden Daniels and in kind of him blossoming blossoming, blossoming. Excuse me, <laughs> into what we thought he was going to be. And I think he's getting more and more comfortable with this group of wide receivers. And again, that comes back to last year where they were kind of still a work in the pro in work in progress, and I think just now they're kind of hitting their stride.
0: Yeah, and I think that's important because the Pac-12. I mean, we have. I don't think anybody saw the Pac-12 unfolding like it has uh, before the season. The Pac-12 is just. I think the Big Twelve is pretty pretty normal the Big 10 the SEC for the most part all pretty normal um i don't think the Pac-12 is about what we expected prior to the season or did you see it unfolding like this for ASU and the re- the rest of this conference thus far
3: as far as ASU yes i think this is what we expected uh, they had 20 returning starters I think when you have 20 returning starters, and if you look on both sides of the ball, we're not just talking starters. We're talking starters that have been in their third year and some fourth year as a starter. Um, You look at a guy like Chase Lucas. He's started 43, I think, games in his career at ASU. So you're looking at a veteran team. So I think that is what people expected. You know, when you look at some of the other teams, yeah, I don't think anybody expected USC to self-implode like they have. They're kind of a train wreck. That's a polite way to put it. Uh, UCLA, I think people thought was going to be better. Uh, Utah, I don't think people knew really what to expect. And then when their quarterback left, they've kind of been, you know, a little bit hard to figure out. And then, of course, with the tragedy, they've, tragedies they've had in the last year, they've been kind of hard to peg. Um Arizona is still Arizona, Uh, so as far as the South, I don't think it's much different than what we thought, and in the North, I think that we thought a lot of those teams would be better, quite frankly, and Oregon State's probably the surprise team there, Uh, but when you look at the injuries that Oregon has suffered lately, I don't think there's a juggernaut team in the North that, that... Whoever wins the South is going to have to deal with... I mean, it, I mean, Oregon's good, but they're not what we thought they were going to be just because of the injuries. So whoever comes out of the South, whether it's ASU or Utah or whoever, UCLA, I, I think I like the chances of the South team.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And it's interesting because like, it's. I think it's still far, far too early to talk about playoff. Have you asked her about it? Is that something that you think this... This group is thinking about like like they have to just really be careful because after this Utah game, the rest of the schedule, I'm going to assume the Sun Devils are favored in every game the rest of the way. Would you would you expect that?
3: Yes. Yeah, I do. Uh, I don't I don't you know, they're, they've got USC at home. And mm-hmm. that's why I think this is a pivotal game here, because yes, should ASU win? Now they've got the tiebreaker on Utah, the mm-hmm. tiebreaker on UCLA. USC's already got three losses. If ASU were to slip up against one of those North teams, it's not a disaster. So they're buying themselves a little room for error. So I definitely see this game. And Herm is like every other coach. He's going to say one game at a time, and that's the mantra. And we're all tired of hearing it. I think as reporters we get sick of coaches using that every single time we talk to them. But as far as this team goes... It pretty much is Rose Bowl or bus because of the number of players returning. That's what their sights were set on. And I don't think anything less than that they're going to be happy with. And then the other thing, if you, if you really want to look further down the line from an outsider perspective, when you've got this NCAA investigation looming, uh, you've got a lot of seniors on this team. And then with this investigation looming, the recruiting class has taken a hit. Who knows what kind of talent they're going to be, bring, be be bringing in or be able to bring in next year. Who knows if this coaching staff is going to be here. If it's not, then they're starting over from square zero again. So this has got to be the year for a lot of reasons.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if people are ready for Arizona State to crash the football playoff party, but I think if they can get through the Utah game, that is very much, very much a possibility, especially when people are talking about Cincinnati. Because Arizona State would have a better case at eleven and one versus a twelve and zero Cincinnati, thirteen and zero Cincinnati. So we shall see. But there's still a lot of football to be played. We're still at the midway point. They still got a very dangerous Utah team that we'll get to in a second. Um, what did you, what did you make of that lateral defensive touchdown? Did you were you able to talk to them about that?
3: Uh the the one where Jack Jones pitched it to
0: Pierce. Yes. <laughs>
3: Oh yeah, definitely. That that's all mm. I wrote about the yeah. next day, and and they said they actually pl- practiced that play. Really? <laughs> okay. And and the, yeah, and the other thing you need to remember is DeAndre Pierce. I don't know if people know this. Some people may not, but DeAndre Pierce and Jack Jones were high school teammates. Hmm. Okay. And and guess who was their high school coach? Antonio Pierce.
0: That's what. Yep. Yeah.
3: Okay. So that's what Antonio said after the game. We asked him if he'd seen a play, play like that before. And he said, yeah, Long Beach Polly. And, and Jack said after the game that, yeah, they practice that. Uh, Herm kind of laughed when we asked him about it, because he's kind of gone on record as being kind of the old school guy. And he doesn't necessarily like the trick plays that Zach Hill draws up on offense. And he said, he just shakes his head and hopes they work. So we kind of asked him, okay, what about a trick play on defense? And he, he kind of just started laughing too. He says, "Hey, as long as it works, it looks great. If it works, if we'd have fumbled, you would have seen a very angry head coach." But uh, yeah, we—that was definitely the talking point after the game.
0: That's funny. Um, What makes Tyler Johnson so special?
3: Oof, he's a different kind of dude. That's <laughs> that's all I can can tell you. He he's got a motor when he when he wants to play, he can dominate. But you just never know what Tyler Johnson you're getting on a given day. And it's kind of a standing joke among us media sorts that he finds a way to miss spring practice every spring. He's got some injury or some ailment. He's going to find a way to miss spring practice. This year, I think it was a knee thing or minor knee procedure. Uh, And you just never know what you're going to get out of him. But when you dial that guy up, he's unblockable. And I think he's got NFL potential. I think the scouts are drooling over him. Uh, but it's if Tyler wants to do that, if he wants to play. And he he, he can be that good. I mean, his father played in the NFL, so he, he knows he's got coaching. He knows what it takes to get there. But, uh, you know, when they moved him last year from linebacker to defensive end, it was to get a pass rush and improve that area of their game. And he he did it. And you know, Like I said, he's unblockable when he wants to play.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what What is Herm better about in-game-wise in 2021 than he was in 2020?
3: Uh, 2020, you just throw out the window because it was just a disaster. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody was good at anything in 2020. You know, I, I think Herm is very good at managing his team and managing the personalities on his team. Mm-hmm. He's very good at keeping kind of an even keel not getting too high with the high moments, not getting too low with the low moments. And I think we've seen that with this investigation. He's he's done everything he can to block out the outside noise so that the players can just kind of focus on their task at hand. And he, he does that very well. Um, you know, as far as where he's gotten better, I don't think his philosophy has changed much. He's always been kind of an old-school coach, a run-the-ball kind of coach. Um, And, and, you know, I'm going to be really upset, you know, if he if he is gone as the result of this investigation, I'm going to be upset because he really is a joy to deal with. And, you know, I'm not even going to go into, you know, the allegations. What's there? What's not? What's been proven? What's not? Because I don't have it all in front of me. But uh, he's just from a media standpoint, he's a he's a gem to deal with on our end.
0: I, I mean, I know we don't have to get into it. That's like a whole separate pod, but I, I don't think we're going to get an answer on that one anytime soon based on what we've learned uh, from the NCAA and how teams are operating these days on this kind of stuff. Um, do you think the defense is good enough to run the table in the Pac-12 this year? It sounds like you do.
3: Yeah, I do. Again, because they're veterans. Now, where where, where where I've been a little bit surprised is, is the defensive line. Because losing Jermaine Lole for the season is a huge hit. I can't, can't even tell you how big a hit that is. That's a guy that would have been a four-year starter. Hard guy to replace. And then they lose Trevez Moore in a BYU game to a season-ending knee injury. Not a starter, but he's a key rotation player, and he's one of your their best edge pass rushers. And I believe in the fourth quarter of the UCLA game, at one point they had four freshmen in the game, and one of them was a walk-on. On the defensive line, uh, so that's been an area that I've been surprised with, just because of how many young players they've had to play and how they've performed. And actually, before Tyler Johnson's two sacks in the game, their leading sack guy was a walk-on, a true freshman, BJ Green, was leading them in sacks. They didn't think BJ, BJ Green was a walk-on that that came here because he knew he had a a godfather that knew Robert Rodriguez the D-line coach and he, when does a walk on come in a, with a power 5 team and 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 earn significant playing time i mean it, it's been unbelievable so i look at Robert Rodriguez the D-line coach and he's done phenomenal things with a lot of young players that are playing more than they probably were hoping they would have to so that's an area of the team that I continually am surprised with, in the fact that they've been able to get pressure on the quarterback, no matter who they put in, who, no matter who they rotate in.
0: Hmm. Um, let's talk Utah, Michelle. How do you? How big is this game for the Utes and the Sun Devils? How do you see this matchup going? What are your early? early thoughts on how the Sun Devils match up. Um, how do they match up containing the new starter and rising? I mean, this has just been a crazy year with Brewer leaving after getting benched. And obviously the tragedy that has just, it's, it's unbelievable what uh, Whittingham and this group uh, have dealt with, with Lowe and Ty Jordan before that. And um, I believe they were at the funeral today for, for Lowe. They so, were. Yeah. They
3: were today. You know, and I asked her that today. That was my question to him is, you know a team dealing with a tragedy like this is it a you know rally together moment is it a distraction and he, he said he can't speak for utah because he's not in their situation but he said he's dealt with it when he's he's had teammates that you know he's dealt with that from a player standpoint but you know it's really hard to tell are they going to rally the troops and it's going to bring them together or is it a distraction so he said maybe they get some closure today with the funeral um uh, the last time ASU played at Utah, it wasn't a good thing in their favor. I think they had 136 yards total offense in that game. Uh, that was a little bit of a different game because it was Jaden Daniels' true freshman year. They were starting two true freshmen on the offensive line. And that was the Utah team that had like five beasts on the defensive line. It was seriously a mismatch. So I think that ASU is better equipped to handle the environment and and what they're going to be facing, but because they've seen it before, I I really honestly think this could go either way. One minute I'm thinking ASU wins it, and then I'm thinking Utah wins it. I think from a talent level, I think ASU's got better talent, and they've got more playing time together as a unit, so I would favor them there. But the road's a great equalizer, and as we saw when ASU played BYU when they literally couldn't get a snap-off, without a false start penalty, that'll come into play. Um, now they've say, said that they have worked on that and they don't foresee that being an issue again. We'll see. Um, I, I just think this game is a total toss-up and I would be surprised if either team won by more than a score.
0: Interesting. So what's your final What's your final prediction? It is Monday, 10.52, East Coast time, Michelle. What, what do you think you're going to be writing on Sunday? Do you think you're going to be writing a, ASU is on their way to a Pac-12 title game or okay what do, what's next I, I, how do we regroup how did they figure this out down the stretch
3: hmm. you know like i said i changed my mind one minute to the next and we're all it's only monday and i i could definitely change my mind by saturday i like ASU's chances i'm not saying that i don't like Utah i've been very impressed with Utah, what Utah has done And the way they completely took apart USC was very, very impressive. Uh, I think, you know, they don't have that dominant running back that they've had in past years. Um, I think ASU's done a very good job stopping other teams running games, and that's where I, I like ASU. And I also like the rushing attack. I mean, nobody has really stopped the rushing attack. UCLA came into that game with ASU ranked fifth in the country only allowing 63 yards rushing, and ASU ran for uh, gosh, I want to I want to say 170 on them. So ASU's been able to run the ball, and that's kind of a great equalizer too. When you and it's not just one running back; they've got three very good running backs. So I like ASU's ability to come in and run the ball, uh, particularly if the weather— who knows what the weather is going to be? It could be cold, it could be raining, it could be snowing. Who knows? So I like ASU's ability to run the ball, and I like the way they play against the run. So maybe I favor ASU, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Utah won the game either.
0: Okay. I'm leaning ASU. Um, I think ASU's in good shape here, and uh, I don't know. I'm still not 100% on Cam Rising, so we'll we'll see. I We'll, we'll see if this continues. Uh, it's more of a lightning-in-a-bottle thing for me because uh, we've seen – Utah offense very, very differently for the most part for for this year, last year. I don't know. I I don't know. Um, Michelle, what can we check out from you this week at uh, AZ Central?
3: Well, you know what? I'm not doing football Tuesday and Wednesday because I'm off the Pac-12 media day for basketball. <laughs> so, I'm actually turning football coverage over to some colleagues for Tuesday and Wednesday, which is really strange. It's hard for me to do it because I've been football intensive since, you know, the end of July. Uh, but, yeah, I'll be heading to Pac-12 Media Day for women's basketball on Tuesday and men's basketball Wednesday, uh, back home Thursday, and then getting on a plane uh, for Utah on Friday. So, hey, hey, it's not just one sport this time of year, right?
0: absolutely absolutely what's the biggest difference and we'll wrap up here the biggest difference between bobby hurley and herm edwards is what
3: Oof! you know what they're a lot alike really would you when you Hmm. get down to it you know what? I'll tell you what the difference is. Hurley is definitely the fiery guy. Hmm. Herm is Mister Composed on the <laughs> sidelines, and he doesn't. Like I said, he doesn't get too up, doesn't get too emotional. Kind of keeps just kind of an even keel. And um, Bobby's the guy that's in the referee's face, and he's you know he was that way as a competitor. He was a player. That's the way he was. He was a feisty guy. So from that standpoint, that's the probably the biggest difference. Bobby's great to deal with, too, from a, a reporter standpoint. You like coaches that give you something that's, you know, articulate, well thought out. Um, he's engaging. Um, he's very cooperative with the media. So from that st- standpoint, he is much the same as Herm. Uh, and, you know, they're both, you know, East Coast guys. You know, Bobby's from the East Coast and Herm played on the East Coast. And so um, they are a lot alike, but I would say their temperament in game That's the biggest difference.
0: Huh. Very interesting. Very interesting. I like it. I like it. Well, Michelle, safe travels this week. Good luck to you. And uh, thank you so much for making the time. I greatly
3: appreciate it.
2: Anytime. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.